We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. You are listening to Rotoviz Radio, a fantasy football podcast with your host, Matthew Friedman. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Freeman, Matt of the Oracle of the Action Network and Rotoviz. Welcome to a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Today we are talking about the Atlanta Falcons. In between the NFL Combine and the draft, I'm interviewing beat reporters for every franchise, 32 teams, 32 beat writers, and 32 episodes. We are covering team needs, free agency, draft rumors, basically everything between now and day one of the draft. For this episode, I'm joined by Gina Thomas of The Falcoholic, where she covers the Atlanta Falcons. In this episode, she talks with us about the team's 2018 plans for the defensive line, what we can expect to see out of their skill position players, and offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian's evolution as a play caller as he enters his second year with the team. Before we get to the guest, I would like to remind you that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the premium NFL content on the site, and it also supports the pod. All right, let's get to the guest. Please welcome to the show Gina Thomas of The Falcoholic. You can follow her on Twitter at Gina Thomas. Follow her on Twitter for up-to-the-minute news on anything and everything to do with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Gina, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Uh, how's it going? 
Uh, it's going great. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's fun. Uh, it's wonderful. It's fun. It's a, a good time of year. Uh, the combine just ended and free agency is about to start. Uh, so let's, uh, let's just kind of, let's jump into it here. Uh, the biggest needs for the Atlanta Falcons, uh, where do you think that those are? I would say definitely interior defensive line. Um, got a couple of big name players, Dontari Poe and Adrian Claiborne hitting free agency. And so they've got to really shore up that rotation there. Um, definitely guard is a need. They did just get Andy Levitri, the starting left guard, to take a pay cut. But there was some inconsistency at the right guard position last year after Chris Chester retired, um, shuffled a couple guys in there. They were both okay, but not great. And so I think the team may look for a long-term answer at guard. And then um, wide receiver is probably the other biggest need. At defensive line, so uh, Dontari Poe, Adrian Claiborne, uh, they might be going via free agency. Vic Beasley might be converting back to defensive end. How do you think that impacts everything? You know, I think that it does kind of alleviate the need on the outside of shifting Vic back into his natural position. Um, I do think that they will let Poe and Claiborne walk, and I just think that they're going to get outbid for Claiborne. Um, I think that he did enough last year. He was really consistently disruptive. So I think that, you know, they won't be able to retain him. So I think that that creates a pretty big need at defensive tackle, and I think that that's an area where they needed to shore up the depth anyway, so I think it just makes it more of a priority. Does it seem as if there are players uh, through free agency that they might target uh, for that position, or do you think it's something they're going to look to address more in the draft? You know, I think that it's a really good draft class for interior defensive linemen. Um, You know, Sheldon is somebody who is going to hit free agency and so he's a guy that I wouldn't mind them taking a flyer on for sure. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, um, someone who's intriguing in the free agency class. Also, Richard Sherman is someone who reportedly might be released from the Seahawks. Uh, does it seem as if it could be a possibility for him to come to the Falcons? How do you think that would work out? The team uh, did, or Sherman confirmed that the team did tell him today that he is definitely going to be released. So he is going to hit the market. I just don't see him as a fit in Atlanta. I I think that, you know, he's a player that Dan Quinn would probably love to reunite with. And I think that he would love to reunite with Quinn. I think that that's probably mutual, but the Falcons already are really set with starters outside with um, Desmond Trufant and Robert Alford. And both of those guys have recently signed extensions. I think that the team is committed to them long-term So I don't really see a space for Sherman on this roster. You know, he's still, when he's healthy, is one of the league's best corners. I don't think that Atlanta can justify spending what it's going to cost to get him when they already have their starters locked up outside. Let's talk about the the guard position. You mentioned that earlier. Do you think that is a position that they're going to look to address more through free agency or the draft? You know, I would love to see them be able to get, like, Andrew Norwell, who is hitting free agency from the Panthers. Um but he's going to command a lot of money. And I don't know that the Falcons have the cap space or, you know, can shuffle other priorities enough to justify that expense. So I do think that maybe looking to the draft to fill that role, you know, with a higher pick, you know, I think that Schweitzer was a sixth rounder. Um, So looking, you know, in the first, you know, two rounds, maybe into the third round to get a starter there, I think would probably be the best course of action. 
So uh, I'm looking right now at the uh, the Falcoholic. It has a seven round mock draft. Uh, in in the first round, it has the team selecting defensive tackle Deron Payne. Uh, so that would be an instance of the team addressing uh, the defensive need through the draft. Uh, assuming that uh, that Payne doesn't fall to the team, uh, are there any thoughts about what the Falcons could do with that first round pick? Um, I actually really like Payne as a prospect, and I think that he fits what Atlanta likes on that side of the ball in terms of just his athleticism and speed for such a big guy. I was very impressed with him at the Combine. Um, so I like that pick. Another guy that I've seen mocked to Atlanta in the first round who I think will fall, and hopefully this heart condition that he was diagnosed with at the Combine isn't an issue, but um, Maurice Hurst from Michigan. I'm an Ohio State fan, so it pains me, it pains me to say it, but I do think that he's a very good player. Um like I said, I hope that his heart condition is nothing serious and that he's actually cleared to play. But assuming that that will be the case, uh, he is a guy who may drop because of that medical issue. And so I think that he would be an interesting fit for the Falcons, too. You know, uh, I have a question kind of going off script, but is there a particular I mean, because of the the type of defensive system that they run, um is it possible to look at some of the the guys playing up front, some of the defensive tackles or potential edge players, and identify a guys like, yeah, he would work particularly well in our system? Are there any guys like that that you can think of? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's one in particular, Vita Via, who is just incredible. Like he's just an incredible athlete. He has that. He has the size that he weighs like 347 pounds or something ludicrous, but he also ran like a 51140, which is for a big guy to move that fast. That's the kind of speed that Dan Quinn really covets on that side of the ball. There's just no way that he is going to drop to Atlanta. They would have to move mountains to move up and get him. And I think that a lot of teams probably feel like he's a perfect fit for their defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, a lot of people have talked about him, and uh, it will be interesting to see how high he goes. Um, you know, an, another player uh, who was mocked. Actually, I'm just I'm looking through the mock draft right now. I think it's really fascinating. Uh, and the the positions of need that you've highlighted: James Daniels uh, from Iowa. Uh, they have him going in the second round. Hayden Hurst going in the third round. Uh, the tight end from South Carolina. What do you think of the tight end position? Um, does it seem to be something that is being solidified there with Hooper progressing into his third season, or do you think that they are going to look to uh, to add to the position? Well, they just cut Levine Toilolo, and so I think that they have to add to the position, and I don't think that Hooper has played up to the expectations that the team had when they drafted him. So um, I do think that Hayden Hurst is probably the best tight end in this class, or certainly is a very good option. I think about third round is that is about right for him. Um, I think that he would be an interesting prospect to grab there. Like, I think that he could be a really nice fit and could fill that need. So, you know, the, it's, it's kind of a weaker tight end class this year. There's no like first round caliber prospect. So I think that they would do well to grab a guy like that in the third. I think that that would be a smart move. And you mentioned wide receiver is a potential position of need. Um, of course, I would uh, be assuming that Taylor Gabriel uh, is allowed to walk. Uh, one, uh, I'm assuming you, you think that's going to happen. Uh, and then two, in the mock draft, Traquan Smith uh, is, is the player that presumably could replace him. What are your thoughts on, on him? Um, 
yeah, and Gabriel, I think that they have all but confirmed that he will be gone. And I talked to Gabriel last week on Twitter, and he that's certainly his understanding that he's going to hit the market. So, um, you know, he, I mean, he said goodbye to Falcons fans and everything. Yeah, I think that he is planning to be gone. And I could see him landing in San Francisco and reuniting with Kyle Shanahan, which would be great for him. Um, as far as Traquan Smith, I honestly, he is a prospect that I don't know a ton about. There is another guy um, that I like, and his Anthony Miller out of Memphis. And so I just think that, you know, Memphis is not like a powerhouse program or anything. Um, So he's not one of the top flight guys in this draft class. He's projected, you know, second or third round. But he, I think that he's a great route runner. Um, He does have like the quickness. I mean, he's not fast like Gabriel is. He, He doesn't have like track speed, but he is quick and he is hard to bring down. So he is a guy that I also like as far as receivers. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Yeah, I'm wondering about the the wide receiver unit. So uh, you have Sanu there as a compliment to Julio Jones. Is there a particular type of receiver that they would want to have as that third receiver in the unit and a, per, a particular type of skill set that they would want him to have? Yeah, I, I mean, the way that their offense functions is going to be somebody who's able and willing to block as well as somebody who can, you know, draw coverage away from Julio. That's the main thing. So you've got to have some speed. You've got to have, you know, the threat of being able to get downfield and make plays. So I think that those are kind of the key attributes. Uh, focusing a little bit on the uh, the running backs, um, probably the best uh, duo of running backs in the league. How do you think that their workload is going to continue to shake out? I think that it will still be a pretty you know I think it'll be split about the way that it has been I mean they're both such talented backs and they're both really versatile so you know you see them used as receivers out of the backfield I think that it's brilliant the way that they use them um I would like to see them balance out the load between those two a little bit more you know because Kevin's so good um and they both have different skill sets and so it's you know I think that the team could do more to maximize their impact um, but yeah, I do think that they'll still split carries kind of the way that they did last year. Devonte will still be the primary back with Kevin as a compliment to him. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much what I expect more of the same. Do you think that given that this is Coleman's, I, I believe this is his contract year. 
that they might use him a little bit more than they otherwise would just to try to kind of maximize what they're getting out of him? Or do you think that they are looking at him as someone that they might want to extend and keep with the team long term? I would prefer that they extend him and keep him with the team because I do, like you said, I mean, I would say Ingram and Kamara might be the best running back duo in the league now, but Devontae and Kevin are up there for sure. And so, you know, if you have that strong backfield, I don't know why you wouldn't make it a priority to keep it intact. But I still think that we might even see them try to grab a late round running back this year and then move on from Kevin because Kevin could start for other teams. And so that may also be what I mean, he may want to be the guy somewhere, and I think that he certainly has the talent to do that. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, but I'm I'm not all sold on the idea that they're going to keep him long term. I'd like to, to think about Matt Ryan a little bit. Uh, so a, a year removed from what was a fantastic season, an MVP caliber season, uh, and, you know, and then last year he – you know, I wouldn't say he regressed because he was still good, but I mean, I guess really he, he did regress. He he regressed to the, the mean of what he had done throughout his career up to his MVP season. Is there a sense that this year we're going to see more of the Matt Ryan that we saw last year and that we had seen before the MVP season? Or is there the idea that uh, maybe if uh, some things with the offense are changed just a little bit, Ryan can return to the guy that he was in 2016. I don't think that we'll ever see Ryan return to those 2016 levels, mainly because so much of that was Kyle Shanahan and Shanahan is an offensive mastermind. He's always two steps ahead of whatever defense he's facing. And so he knows how to put players in just the right position to succeed. So I don't think that Spark is on that level. And I don't think that that's something that you can learn how to do. I think that that's something that you either have or you don't. So I don't think that we'll see Ryan get back to 2016 levels of play, but I do think that we will see this offense take a step forward with one more off season under, you know, under Stark, um, getting acclimated to him. If you think back to Kyle Shanahan's first year in Atlanta, they were terrible. I mean, it was one of Matt Ryan's worst years of his career. And a lot of that was just getting used to a new system and, um, so yeah, they didn't change the system that much with Stark, but they did change a lot of the terminology and stuff like that. And so I do think that it was a bigger adjustment than maybe people understood. So I do think that we'll see Ryan improve next year. I just don't see him getting back to 2016 levels because that was catching lightning in a bottle in part because of Shanahan. Uh, one more question here and specifically about, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, uh, who you mentioned there. Um, as you said, the, the offense kept a lot of the same concepts from the, the Shanahan era. And uh, a lot of the, the talk entering the season was that it would very much be the same type of system. Um, basically, that Sarkeesian would kind of be running Shanahan's system, but with just some wrinkles. Is it going, do you think, to be more of the same? Or do you think this year we're going to see more of it as a sort of quote-unquote Steve Sarkeesian offense where he really owns it as opposed to he's just sort of like the guy who's minding the system that someone else built. Yeah, I think that they would I think that they would be more effective if they let him have more ownership over it. So I do think, I mean, just logically speaking, I think that that's probably the direction that they go in. Another thing that's kind of interesting that I don't know if people really realize, but they didn't have a quarterback coach last year. So Stark was the offensive coordinator and the play caller, and 
he was also uh, essentially the quarterback coach. And so he's able to at least take that off of his plate this year, which I think frees him up to focus more intently on just running the offense. And so I think that that's also a positive thing. All right. Fantastic. Uh, Gina, thank you so much for your time. And I hope that we have the chance to talk to you once again, as we get closer to the season. I will look forward to that. Thank you so much for having me. We just finished speaking with Gina Thomas, a Falcons beat writer for the Falcoholic. We covered a lot. Here are some of the things I would like to think about a little bit further coming out of that conversation. Uh, we started with uh, some thoughts on the defensive line and what the Falcons might look to do there, given that they are likely in free agency to lose a number of players, uh, namely Dontari uh, Poe, Adrian Claiborne. Uh, they are looking to move Vic Beasley back to defensive end, uh, but there is still an issue of what they're going to do in the middle of that defensive line. Uh, she suggested that they could look to the draft and I think that is uh, something that will probably happen. It's a fantastic class uh, for defensive tackles. And, uh, you know, if we look just at, you could go to a number of places. So CBS Sports, for instance, you could look at their, their draft rankings there. Uh, but there are about four uh, defensive tackles likely to be drafted in the first round. Uh, Maurice Hurst, assuming that his heart situation uh, comes up positive at the Combine, uh, he wasn't able to participate because uh, doctors flagged him for having some sort of heart condition, which uh, as of recording is yet to be determined what it is. Um, but he is certainly a first round talent. Taven, uh, Taven Bryan from Florida did very well at the combine Vita Vea from Washington and then Deron Payne from Alabama. All of those players uh, seem likely to, to go in the first round. And I imagine that uh, picking at 26th, one of them will probably fall. Probably the the last one uh, will fall to them, uh, the Falcons. Uh, in a mock draft I did before the combine, I had that as uh, Vitavea. At this point, uh, out of those four, it's hard to know which one uh, teams will value the least, and I think that's a very scheme dependent thing. Um, in a Falcons mock draft that is. Uh, on the Falcoholic, they do have Deron Payne falling, and uh, I could see it actually end up being uh, Deron Payne who does fall to that pick. But I think uh, they probably will go with a defensive tackle there uh, in the first round. If they don't go with a tackle in the first round, um, it's kind of hard to know what they would do because this is a team that made it to the Super Bowl two years ago, made it to the playoffs last year. Um, there aren't any big gaps on the team where you think they they must certainly get better at this position. I mean, there are areas for improvement, and we, we talked about that, but um, outside of defensive tackle, it's hard to know really what they would do. So if they can't grab a defensive tackle there, um, maybe they would look to, to trade down and to get some value, uh, maybe get multiple picks on day two. So that could be something that they look to do. We talked... Uh, a lot about the skill position players. Matt Ryan is someone I would like to think a little bit more about. Uh, very intriguing player entering this season. We all know that he was fantastic in 2016. Uh, MVP of the league. Uh, had what was his adjusted yards per attempt. He led the league uh, with an outrageous mark of 10.1. Uh, 
uh, for his career up until that point, uh, his adjusted yards per attempt was 7.1. Everyone was expecting as he entered 2017 that there would be some regression. Uh, and he did regress to 7.5. So he was still better last year uh, than his mean uh, for the career before 2000, uh, before 2016. So 2008, when he entered the league to 2015, he had 7.1 adjusted yards per attempt. Uh, so last year he was still better than the, uh, the pre 2016 Matt Ryan. I think it's, I, I think that it's, it's very possible that given he will have another year with Sarkeesian, uh, and given that a lot of things kind of went against the Falcons in ways that you necessarily wouldn't have expected last year, uh, I think it is possible that Ryan could do better than the 7.5 this year. And so in terms of fantasy, uh, there could be some sort of backlash or overreaction where people are too low on Ryan uh, in comparison to what his prospects actually are. Um, the team had a really good season last year. Uh, average drive, and this is offensively, and you can get this information from a uh, pro football reference. In terms of uh, the average drive, time of possession, they were first in the league uh, with two minutes and 54 seconds. Uh, they ran the second most plays, and they had the third most yards. Right, So offensively, this was still a unit that was very put together. Uh, they had one really negative thing going against them, and that was that they were second to last in league in terms of starting field position. Right, So even though on a per-drive basis, they had all of these other things in their favor, they were just starting too far from the opponent goal line to be able to convert the time of the drive and the number of plays and the yards per drive into points, right? So on a per drive basis, they were just seventh in the league when they were top three in the other metrics. And then another big thing is that they weren't playing as fast as they had with Shanahan. Uh, so if they can make those, those corrections, if they can continue to be efficient on a per drive basis, if they can play a little bit faster, if they can start with just slightly better field position, that will translate into much better fantasy production for the team. Uh, and it's not outrageous to think that with Sarkeesian there for another year, they could play faster. Uh, the, the team would have a, a better sense of the offensive system and that if the defense improves, they will have better field position, right? Uh, and the defense, it seems as if the defense has to improve um, because it was dead last in the league last year in time allowed on a per-drive basis to opponents and the number of plays allowed on a per drive basis. So uh, I think there is the possibility for there to be some some uh, some backlash against Ryan because he quote unquote underperformed last year, uh, and uh, he could be something of a value in fantasy leagues. Um, to continue with this theme of thinking about uh, how the the Falcons underperformed and how there could be some uh, overreaction. Two years ago, uh, during their Super Bowl run, they outperformed their Vegas implied total on a week-to-week basis more than any other team in the league, right? So uh, I'm, I'm I'm assuming that people have an idea of what I'm talking about, but uh, based on the the Vegas spread and the the Vegas game total uh, for any given game, you can 
you can see the number of points uh, implied through those numbers uh, that Vegas would sort of quote unquote project or expect or, or the Vegas market, the betting market would expect a team to get right into in 2016, the Falcons outperformed their implied total more than any other team in the league. Last year, the Vegas market or the betting market rather was uh, basing too much on what the Falcons had done the previous season. And so last year, the Falcons underperformed their Vegas implied total more than any other team. I think what we're going to see in 2018 is a Falcons team that is better than it was last year, but that is valued by the market based on what it did last year. And so I think there could be uh, some area for progression and some value with what we see there. And I know we say something like this every year, but Julio Jones could be a value, right? If Matt Ryan is playing better and he's getting more production relative to uh, his skill, and if Julio is still getting targets and he's still getting yards, at some point there has to be some sort of progression to touchdowns. Uh, So Julio is someone who could also be intriguing next year um, for fantasy leagues probably still a top three wide receiver. Um, I was interested in what, uh, what Gina had to say with uh, Taylor Gabriel leaving. They could be in the market for a wide receiver. Um, I think there is the possibility. And, and so just to take a step back, let's look at what happened in 2016. That season, they really didn't have a strong tight end presence. And so I think they were relying a little bit more on the receivers out of the backfield, and then also a little bit more on the third wide receiver to uh, to give some extra production in that offense. And that's what we saw out of Gabriel. Uh, last year, Hooper played a little bit better. Uh, Gabriel wasn't as much of a factor. I think this season, if we can see Hooper progress, and remember, it takes tight ends traditionally, it takes them uh, at least a couple of seasons really to get integrated into an offense. It is rare for a tight end to come into the league and within his first two seasons be a high caliber producer. Uh, If we look at, you know, old school guys like Gronkowski and Graham uh, in their second seasons, uh, even Aaron Hernandez, um, that is something that is kind of rare. It normally takes guys a little bit of time, uh, you know, to, to become really integrated into the offensive scheme. Uh, And so Hooper entering his third season, I could see him functioning as a little more of the kind of the, the third receiver within the passing game there behind Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu. Uh, so while there is certainly the need for a third receiver uh, in that offense, I could see Hooper kind of taking over that role if he continues to develop. And then, of course, you have Freeman and Coleman. Both are good receivers coming out of the backfield. I would expect them to continue to uh, to get their work. Um, I was interested by what uh, Gina had to say. I think the the hope uh, for the Falcons is that they can keep Tevin Coleman. I would expect that they won't. Um, I would expect that he wants to be a lead back. I think he probably does have lead back talent. I think this probably is the, uh, the last year that he will be in Atlanta. So I think for people who are in dynasty leagues, uh, getting Coleman, uh, you know, a year in advance, it could be a good move because I bet a year from now in dynasty leagues, his value will be much higher because he will 
just have signed in, in a sort of like Lamar Miller type of fashion. If we think of him in his first year uh, with the Texans and there was a lot of hype around him, uh, I think we will probably see something like that a year from now with Coleman where he's very valued, uh, maybe overvalued within the dynasty market based on the fact that he is going from a situation where he gets, let's say, you know, 12 to 16 touches per game uh, to 16 to 22 touches per game. I think that probably will happen with Coleman. So I, now could be a good time to uh, to get an investment in on him. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Steve Sarkeesian. Um, man, what a horrible situation for him. And there, I mean, everyone knew that there was going to be some regression uh, just because it is impossible for an offense to perform at a level that high, uh, even under great circumstances. And the circumstances clearly were not going to be great in that uh, Kyle Shanahan was gone, right? The, the guy who was the play caller, the guy who had designed the offense, he wasn't going to be there. And Sarkeesian was basically asked to, you know, like like to, to mow another guy's lawn while he's out of town, right? Uh, and, you know, not a surprise, like it, it didn't work out as well. Um, I, I think knowing that Sarkeesian is not Kyle Shanahan and that he can't run Shanahan's offense, they will still keep the things from Shanahan's offense that worked last year. And I think they will probably uh, make some changes to make it more of a Sarkeesian-friendly offense. Uh, and so I have to think that if they keep what worked with Shanahan and Sarkeesian, uh, and then they get rid of the Shanahan concepts that, for whatever reasons, didn't work last year with Sarkeesian, and they incorporate more of Sarkeesian's ideas, uh, there could be some improvements with the offense. But of course, this is just conjecture. Like We really have no idea of knowing how this is going to work. Um, but that would be, uh, if I had to make a guess as to how it will work, I think, uh, it will be a better marriage in 2018 of the Shanahan system and the Sarkeesian scheme. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. And that's going to do it for this Falcons focused special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Be sure to check out the episodes for all the other teams on Rotoviz in the podcast feed. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. Special thanks to Hassan Rahim, the producer for this episode, and to Colin Kelly, the assistant executive producer for the podcast channel. Please review the show on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm feeling great, thanks. How about you? You feeling happy? A little angry? People have so many feelings, millions of them. But what if businesses could really understand all of those feelings and then act on them to make their customers feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management and it's here. Because the future of business has feelings. And I've got a feeling we're all going to like it. Go to sap.com slash xm to learn more. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's... 
a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.